All right. So today on the Automate Construction podcast, we're joined by Wessel van Berendonk, the founder of Studio Rap and Rap Technologies. So you're you're in your studio right now. Yes, um, I'm one of the co-founders. But uh, yes, um, yeah, I'm in uh, in uh, at the back. You can see our robot workshop, and uh, yeah, we also have a, a boring uh, office upstairs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that system behind you is that the beams of the building, or is that a gantry system? Yeah, that's that's actually a gantry system. Like in the past, uh, they made uh, giant ships in this uh, factory hall where we are right now. I'm, uh, I'm in, the, in the inner city of Rotterdam, one of the their inner city harbors. Like in the past, they made big ships here, but uh, yeah, all these uh, crafts, you know, they they left the city. So we are, uh, uh, yeah. Like You're the they, new tenants of the space. Yes, yeah. With the historic one of, one of gantry system. Yeah, it's it's not working anymore. It's more like uh, it's part part of the furniture now. <laughs> yeah, that's a very cool uh, element of the character of the building. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like it's a, we are in the RDM Innovation Dock, so we are surrounded by uh, also other cool uh, technology companies, and uh, yeah, we're also one of them. So yeah, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, Studio Rap and Rap Technologies? All right. Uh, yeah, Studio Wrap is a is an innovative uh, architecture office where we combine uh, a computational design approach with the digital fabrication technologies. So simply said, it's like we we try to realize the buildings that we design according to a complete digital workflow. And digital print, uh, yeah, like three D printing is of course the perfect one of the nice digital fabrication technologies that, you know, that can help us with that to translate our digital designs into reality. And yeah, we, we started five, six years ago. And three years ago, we started the uh, Rap Technologies, which is the technological spin-off of Studio Rap, where we develop uh, industrial grade 3D printing software for large scale objects. So we have some clients that uh, print uh, uh, concrete, 3D printing concrete with uh, using our software. And uh, yeah, some clients print with clay, plastics, composites. So, um, but mainly at the large scale, like that's, that's what we do there. Yeah, it seems to me there's really three pillars of innovation for the automation of construction. And it's like the equipment that you use, the material you're using and the design and the software. So the design software portion seems like the focus of your company and you personally, right? Uh, we, we're not, we're not um, developing uh, design software, but um, production software, like industrial grade production software. So if you have a digital design that you would like to 3D print in a large scale, like if you are 3D printing in the building industry, for example, or you want to print furniture, you know, large scale objects, they also need uh, specialized uh, 3D printing software. And I think, um, yeah, the industry, the 3D printing industry that is scaling, that, that's printing at the large scale, I think they are lacking proper software for that. And that, and, sure. and that gap, uh, uh, we're, we're diving and we, we wanna, you know, we wanna enhance those companies with, with great software. 
So for people familiar with small scale printing, um, usually there's like an STL file that's converted with a slicer into a G code. Um, and then the G code is fed into the systems operating system, which is usually Marlin, right? Yeah, I think there are like, that's also the thing, like, um, I think most companies, you know, they all have a complete different workflow of getting from a digital object to a 3D printed object. So one company, you know, is using Kura, for example, for slicing, but they cannot, you know, they cannot simulate their, uh, their robot arm or their gantry system. The other one is using, uh, you know, simplified 3D, 3D for slicing, and they are using Robot Studio, for example, for simulation. There are also companies, you know, that that are already, um, um, yeah, using other 3D packages, but you know, none of them is like, yeah, is is actually enhancing a complete digital supply chain, and that's that's what we're trying to do. So with with, um, that's why we developed the uh, Repcam AM, which is our uh, uh, which is our 3D printing software, which is. Um, which is a cloud-based uh, software um, application. So you can log in as a, as a user, and then you can start slicing your, uh, your 3D objects that you got for your client. You can upload it to the cloud, and you, know, you can configure your uh, environments, your production environments. You can configure several um, materials, like most of our clients are also using different materials for different types of objects. They have most of the time uh, different production setups. Um, so that's all you know that you can set up. So you have different users that can uh, change different stuff, like an administrator, for example, you know, they can set up uh, the environments and the materials, but an operator, you know, they can only simulate the production process, for example. So then, um, you know, when, when an administrator set up uh, the, the environment and uh, the materials, then you can actually co start configuring your uh, 3D file. So the 3D file that you got from your client, you can say what the layer width should be, what the layer height should be, what kind of, you know, what kind of um, slicing al algorithm you want to use. Um, Infill. And if you, when you've done that, you can simulate uh, the whole production process. And that's, what is unique is that it's one package, you know, like you don't need different uh, packages um, to realize that complete digital workflow within your company. So it's all in one package and it's optimized for large scale objects particularly? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think when you, when you want to 3D print large scale objects, you need different slicing algorithms. You cannot just simply grab Kura 3D, for example, for your slicing. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's developed for small scale objects. So I think, yeah, also the most, most clients, you know, they, they also have a complete different, um, uh, production setup with, with different IO signals, with different, uh, machinery. So it's not that simple that to just grab, uh, yeah, like a, a package from, from another industry. So when you work with a client, you don't just hand them the software you work with them to integrate the software for their equipment? Yeah, definitely. So we have, um, yeah, because it's mostly tailor-made, you know, the software. So we, we have a standard package, but we all, but what we do for our clients is that we integrate our systems 
uh, in our software. We integrate the IO signals for them so they can uh, use it very easily. Oh. So does the file get designed in your program or is it designed in a different 3D modeling program and then imported to be sliced? Yes, exactly. The last, uh, last one. So people can, uh, you know, can design their objects in every cat package. Um, so that's not, that's no problem. So you gen, you can just, uh, export it to a generic uh, file format and that can be imported in uh, RepCam AM and then you can start, uh, yeah, configuring your product. Cool. So when you first started this company, uh, can you tell me a little bit about the story of how you guys first got off the ground? Yes. Um, yeah, we started actually with uh, with three guys, uh, alumni from the TU Delft, the Technical University in Delft. Um, and we were really, you know, we really had that vision to start disrupting the, the building industry. So we started actually as architect as an architecture office. What I told you, Studio uh, Studio Wrap, and that went so well that we we, we started to do a design and build pro uh, projects. So not only designing but also uh, f uh, fabricating our designs. And for that reason, you know, we started to develop our own software. And at that time, you know, we we recognized that, you know, that a lot of parties were requesting software you know, from mm -hmm. at, at an architecture office. So we were thinking like, okay, that, you know, if, the, if there are so many requests, let's, uh, let's put that in another company. And that's why when we started uh, Rap Technologies, where, which is a dedicated uh, software development uh, company. And early, in the early days, you know, we, we also developed um, um, tailor-made, um, custom software applications for milling, 3D milling, uh, pick and place, and also small uh, uh, 3D printing applications. And now um, that went well, but at a certain time we decided to dedicate our whole, our, the whole company in, in the development of 3D printing, uh, uh, 3D printing software, we, because we, we have that, that firm belief, you know, that, that this technology can disrupt the way we build and uh, that it also can help uh, um, to, to make the building industry much more sustainable because we can um, arrange that whole building system digitally. You know, we can realize the complete digital workflow, digital supply chain. Um, we can also 3D print hollow objects, so we can also save a lot of material. So there are so many benefits of this technology. Um, to, to disrupt the, the building industry. So that's why we, we are fully focused on uh, developing software for the 3D printing industry. Yeah. Cool, so the three of you are all architects. Yeah, yeah, Add, you know, in, during the days, the, the, company grew, the company grew, of course. So uh, uh, there are also software developers working, uh, of course, at the moment uh, in the software development company. Yeah, I was going to ask. So if the three of you are architects, I know architecture school is no joke. Where did you find time to learn about software? And did you guys develop the initial software yourselves? Or did yeah, you hire that uh, out? Yeah, I think during our graduation, we were not that, uh, um, we were not spending a lot of time at the university. So we were mo mostly uh, playing around with uh, robotic arms already. 
you know, starting and starting programming, uh, starting to develop our, uh, our first algorithms ourselves. Um, but of course, you know, we are not, we are not a full stack developer. So uh, to, to make that, to professional, professionalize the company and software, you know, you also need dedicated developers and that, that's where we are right now. So you're all self-taught in programming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm not programming anymore. I'm. I'm more uh, responsible for acquisition and the sales. And, um, we hired people, you know, that uh, that do the, the hardcore programming stuff sure. at the moment. So, the in the beginning, when you were programming the software, were you using C? Um, actually, we, we started actually with um, using Grasshopper, which is a, like a, a visual programming uh, yeah. a package. Um, it's a plugin for, for Rhinoceros. And we started to program in that, uh, in that software package. Um, yeah, in C Sharp, Python, and um, yeah. And now uh, we are like, uh, yeah largely programming in, in, in those languages, yeah. Very cool. So have you thought about data collection in your software? Yeah, yeah, nice question. Um, yeah, that's why we actually made um, our software cloud-based. So, um, so you, you configure the environments uh, as well as the materials, um, you, you configure them online. So um, also, also the, you, can, you can configure projects, you can configure um, tasks, you can manage tasks, so you can save everything in the cloud. So in that sense, we can uh, collect data, so we can also do some, uh, can also hopefully in the future predict when, you know, when you upload a certain geometry that, that, the, that our software can predict its printability. Um, because it built up a database, you know, of mm -hmm. all its users and all the data that it collected. Um, but what is also very nice about um, making the software cloud-based is that we can help people in Mexico, that we can help people in Australia, we can help them in Belgium and in Germany, whatever, wherever you are using our software, um, we can follow you uh, online, you know, because it's cloud-based and that, that's what our clients like. We can help them, um, yeah, very easily. We can give them uh, good support from uh, from a distance. Yeah, how many languages do you speak? <laughs> Actually, two. <laughs> That's Dutch and English. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dutch and English are a little bit similar, right? Because they both have some Germanic origin. Yeah, we are uh, we are near uh, the UK, yeah. So uh, we are close by. Mm -hmm. Cool. So. When you have that kind of data collection um, at a large scale, when there's tons of projects going on, it seems like eventually there would be some kind of machine learning or AI approach to, to figuring out which models, like predictive analysis of what might be a successful print. I always imagined like a software that a, a child could make a design for maybe a house or something like that, and then submit it to the file and get confirmation, like an architectural confirmation of whether or not it would be structurally secure or not. Um, which I don't know, it's kind of seems like what you're working towards, but I always imagined that would kind of scare architects because it, it takes them 
a little bit out of the picture if the if the software is good enough. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think I I can imagine that uh, yeah that that architects care off for that, but um, yeah, that's why we actually um, um, what what I told you, you know, you can actually uh, design the objects you want to 3D print in every package uh, you like and then export it to a more general um, file format and then import it in our software. So um, that's actually why, you know, we, we solve this issue. But I can imagine that, um, yeah, why not? Uh, maybe we can add in the future also, uh, uh, yeah, like a 3D modeling program to it. So you can also uh, do that in, in, the, in the program. But at, the, at, at this moment, we really want to focus on making very easy to use uh, 3D printing software, you know, so that you don't that you don't have to be that uh, uh, that uh, robot programmer anymore. So also with a just a little bit of training, you know, you can you can uh, 3D print uh, amazing objects. And I think that's that's the power of the the software that um, that we are developing. And that you after that you can you know you you can integrate the um, our software within a current ERP infrastructure so you can also do make your quote quotations you know you can you can schedule the um, transport for example you can also you, you can also um, um, distill a lot of information from our software so how long is the printing path what is the volume of the object you know that you can also do proper uh, proper quotation but that you make proper quotes but you can also schedule your transport you know you know how heavy an object is, um, how many fit a truck, for example, all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. Cool. So you're kind of in a unique position um, to analyze some of these companies that are doing 3D printed concrete because you're not directly tied into any of them. So like when I talk to Icon or Abyscore, Seabay, they all think they have the best product, but What's your perspective on that? What do you think some of the different uh, like pros and cons are of the different machines and which ones do you think are showing the most promise? I think, I think they're all doing a great job. You know, I think they do amazing work. Um, but I think where we uh, differentiate ourselves from them is that like we are a fully dedicated company, you know, in developing 3D printing software. So, um, you know, we, we have, um, yeah, with you know, with the most advanced uh, 3D printing algorithms that we developed over the years, um, and I think that that's why how we can differentiate ourselves. I think from those companies, they are what I said, doing a great job, but they also have to um, um, they also have to develop uh, their own hardware, you know, their own materials, you know. If you also have to develop your own software, you know, that's I think that's that's an art in itself, you know, to do that in a proper way. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can also help them out in the future, you know, if they are really scaling up, I think I can imagine that they, they want to have professional industrial grade software and yeah, we hope uh, that we can help them out. So from your pretty experienced perspective, having designed uh, stuff with various of these machines, you think that none of them have like developed a significant lead in the space? and all the different machines are kind of uh, competitive with each other? 
Uh, I think I think this uh, 3D printing industry, 3D concrete printing industry is so big, you know, like I think that in the future there will be there will be smaller niches niches in uh, in this big industry. Mm -hmm. Like uh, where where Icon is mo mostly focusing on on-site uh, uh, 3D printing uh, as well as uh, Cybe for example, but other companies like uh, Brel from the Netherlands, um, uh, Bomb, the construction company from the Netherlands, they are really focusing on prefabrication, you know, so they, they 3D print objects in an enclosed environment. I think that will also be, you know, there will also be a big market for those companies. So I, I don't think that there is the best solution, you know, that can solve all these uh, 3D printing challenges. I think that we, that we will find like, um, yeah, companies that will specialize themselves in a, in a specific niche within the market. Yeah, I agree. It's such a big ecosystem. Uh, right now, I guess a lot of the companies can seem similar if you're not really focused uh, because they're all kind of experimenting and getting used to their technology and developing it and uh, kind of fine tuning it. But I think you're very right. And as time progresses and they start to getting more contracts in specific areas, they'll kind of have to niche down because there's just too many things in the world to be printed. And yeah. it's like, you gotta, if you want to really do stairs, well, you kind of have to focus on the stairs. Or if you really want to do like a circular windmill or something like that, then you got to focus on that to really do it the best. And so like, it seems it only makes sense that companies ultimately will kind of niche down. That's already sort of happening. Like you see icon getting the deal with NASA and now they don't seem as interested in printing houses anymore. They really just want to develop technology for the moon. Apparently um, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. What do you think about that project? That's amazing. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's so cool about this, about this whole movement, you know, like, I think uh, lots of people always say that, that the building industry is very conservative. It's a very traditional uh, uh, industry, but I think this movement shows, uh, you know, the, the enough of power of all these amazing people and companies that, uh, that are really are focusing on disrupting the building industry, making better quality buildings, um, making, uh, you know, uh, cheap housing for, with, with a good quality i think that's that's so nice about this movement you know at, at the end it will improve um the way we build the way we manage the way the way we design buildings um in a more sustainable uh, way and and i think it can also help you know to to um to improve the aesthetics you know of all these all these buildings you know that we go from a more um uh, yeah, and, and serial mass-produced uh, uh, monotone housing to a more mass-customized housing, you know, where, mm -hmm. where, where every house um, responds to the specific needs of that client that lives in that house. Yeah. So, From a materials perspective, um, you mentioned you guys are kind of focused on concrete. Yeah, to, like a couple of years ago, we really um, dedicated the software package to, to concrete. But uh, yeah, last month we are also developing, uh, we are actually adopting the algorithms in such a way that you can also um, use them for large scale uh, uh, 3D printing of composites or plastics. Mm -hmm. 
Um, also, uh, clients use it for clay printing, 3D clay printing. So I think, um, yeah, that's a nice thing about uh, software. You know, it's a scalable product, so yeah. we can easily adapt it also to other industries. And I think also other industries um, that are now printing, uh, for for example, large-scale objects with plastics and, and composites, I think they're also still lacking proper software, you know, where they, with a very uh, simple interface, with a with a simple workflow to 3D print objects. And I think, we, I think also those companies really need, yeah, to improve their workflow to be competitive in the end, you know? I think um, at, at this time, it's still very costly, you know, to, to 3D print an object. Mm-hmm. And that's also because you need a lot of work preparation still, a lot of programming time. Um, yeah, we hope that we can help these, uh, these companies, you know, to solving these, uh, these challenges. So the, your software, does it integrate with the mixer and pump of the concrete? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so we, you can, um, in a software, you can configure multiple materials, but also multiple uh, uh, pumps multiple uh, printing uh, hats um, and yeah like you can uh, you can integrate the IO signals so we what what we do with our software is we control uh, the start stop of um, uh, of the pump but also the um, we synchronize the speed with the pump volume so when you uh, when a robotic arm or a gantry system is deaccelerating for example you know it's also regulating the speed and the volume of the of the pump so in that way you can can make proper 3d prints if the clients integrated humidity and temperature sensors do those get plugged into your software as well yes that's uh, that's a possibility yeah for sure cool. so like we have a, we have like a standard package with already a lot of um, uh, functionalities in it but we also have the capability. You also have the capability. You know, if you have like a special request, um, that's later on our development timeline of the software. You know, we can also develop it uh, faster for you, and then we uh, we will we will integrate it in uh, in our standard package. Sure. Every project, I'm sure, is very different. Um, but is there kind of like an entry price point to let's say somebody wants like a small house that's like a hundred square meters or something like that? Um, is there, can you give like a general quote or like an estimate on what that might be? Yeah, actually not like, like you should go to, you should ask one of our clients, you know, if you, you have to ask uh, well, for example, or a company like Icon, you know, they are also manufacturing, um, uh, the houses themselves. Like we are, we facilitate those companies with, uh, with software. So, um, yeah. So you don't have like a you don't have a flat rate for your software. It's different for every project. No, we have um, we have uh, we have like a license fee, fixed license fee, and we have like a different um, um, uh, different types of li- licenses. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you can imagine that uh, if you are like an academic, if you're like uh, doing research uh, at a certain university get of course a different price than uh, than you are going into full production um, so that are like two um, different licenses and next to that we also have a enterprise license and that's like completely custom like uh, we also have clients that want to have 
like a complete custom uh, uh, 3D printing package, so we can also do that. Um, um, but then you also we make a custom offer for that. And next to that uh, license fees, we we also um, offer a, um, a service license agreement. So we also give, can give uh, um, our client support. As I said, because we are our software is cloud-based, you can also do support from uh, from a remote distance. And uh, that's like a monthly fee. And then you also have like these three uh, different licenses, like academic license, production license, and an enterprise license. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's smart to, to separate it like that because if you're teaching students in an academic setting, you're kind of building out the ecosystem so that when they in the future have jobs and like want to do a 3D printed house or even just a regular house, they already have the existing knowledge of your software and hopefully they can like pull it into the real world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So how many objects have you, has your software printed at this point? Do you know? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I don't know yet, actually. But um, yeah, we have clients that are, for example, Brel, I think they are uh, printing one of the largest uh, uh, 3D concrete printed, uh, 3D concrete printing projects um, uh, in the world right now. I think there are like at least uh, thousands of uh, objects, mm -hmm. but uh, I think there are like in that that um, project are around uh, 1,200 unique elements, over a million meters of printing path. For the building that they're kind of like revitalizing with the 3D printed facade. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, other companies, you know, like um, with with our studio, we are also using uh, Repcam AM. We're gonna. We use it for clay printing. Um, we are running into a project right now that has over 3,000 uh, facade elements that need to be 3D printed. So there are like thousands of objects, you know, that are already 3D printed. Wow. So if you were to just give like a top level like list of the different projects your software has contributed to, I think some of my audience they know pretty well how many what are the different projects that have happened. So. Can you mention some of them, ones that Studio Wrap, Wrap Technologies have been involved in? Yeah, so that's the, um, uh, yeah, one of what I just called, that's a really? revitalization of, uh, of that uh, high -rise, uh, residential high-rise building, but also, for example, um, uh, the new Delve Blue project from uh, Studio Wrap, which is uh, the 3D uh, printed ceramics. Uh, yeah, like uh, uh, different furniture applications, um, stairs, like, like all these kinds of, uh, also small scale, small scale uh, products, you know. I think that also is a very nice uh, niche market um, where you can use this, uh, this, this uh, 3D printing technology for. Oh. One question I like to ask is, do you keep any 3D printed objects in your home? Yes, <laughs> several. Like, of course, we have like, like samples, you know, from uh, from clients. But um, yeah, one of the nicest is the, you know, is the is the new Dell's Blue. Cool. Like this, this is one of the three D printed facade elements um, that I have uh, at home. Of course, it's a. So there are some nice uh, nice treasures at home. So that one has a glaze on it. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's like a pottery it's 3D glaze. 
it's it's um, 3D printed in clay. It's then fired, and then glazed. Cool. Cool. So, all right. Which um, <clears throat> like material developments are you looking forward to the most? Yeah. Um, of, of course, the developments in concrete, you know, I think still we, um, um, yeah, most of the companies are 3D printing with, um, uh, with um, unreinforced uh, uh, material. Like there are some examples, for, for example, of the, the, the university in Eindhoven, technical university that's printing with this, um, um, yeah, with this reinforced uh, uh, string, you know, that they put on every layer. Yeah of the print, but I think uh, also several companies are already um, diving into uh, adding fibers to it so that, that you know, that that you can also have a tensile strength with the concrete, but most of them uh, are using very short, uh, um, very short fibers. So it's mostly for, for hoisting good, but not for uh, bigger tensile strengths. Um, so uh, yeah. Simultaneous, sim yeah, simultaneously to that, you also have to uh, to innovate your uh, your pumping system when you want to use uh, larger fibers. So I think that's gonna help the, especially the the three D concrete printing industry a lot. You know, if we if they can print with larger fibers, um, yeah, then we can also um, um, make the product I think more reliable. But we can also make uh, uh, designs more challenging. You know that we so that the structures are not only designed for compression, but they can also take a certain bending moment or, or a tension uh, or some tension in it. I think that that's going to help, I think, the industry also a lot. So if somebody wants to design a model to be 3D printed in concrete, what advice would you give them uh, to guide them towards success? Um, yeah, actually, what <laughs> it's a good question. Like, because um, I get that question quite a lot, and that's why we actually um, uh, added the validation algorithm in our software. So, if you upload uh, a 3D file in our software, you can already the software validates the software on uh, on several points um, to to to, to um, give feedback to the user of our software if it's like proper model to 3d print so there are several that that the algorithm is checking like first of all you know the the um, it should not tumble the object of course so it's cal calculating the the tumbling of the object next to, to that you also need the closed poly surface you need the, a solid object you know that's that's waterproof it always the bottom ne needs to be aligned with um, with the world plane these all these things there are several more are being checked uh, by the uh, by the validated by the software and if if one of those is not correct then gives you feedback so you know where to find uh, the the problem and solution uh, for for 3d printing uh, the object in the proper way so i think if you if you take those points in account at the very early design phase i think you're already uh, going into the right direction yeah, I always like talking with architects about this because they have such a, their perspective is based in the reality of construction more than, more than a contractor or more than 
um, so construction management people because you guys actually understand and learn the, the equations that go into testing the, the building. So from your perspective, how do you think that companies are going to handle the roofs uh, leading forward? Um, yeah, you mean uh, the roofs or of, of buildings, right? The roofs uh, of a 3D printed house, correct. Yeah, yeah I think that's, um, that, that's a big challenge, you know, like, um, because we always have to de deal with gravity, of course. Um, like, <clears throat> I, I actually really believe in hybrid systems. Like, um, um, I, I see a lot of companies, you know, trying to also 3D print floors and, uh, and roof systems, but um yeah wh why not um um you know use like um i don't know uh, prefabricated uh, uh floor slabs made in uh made in wood or made in uh in concrete you know like you don't have to solve every problem with one system you know i think um yeah i think also in hybrid systems um yeah i really believe more in that than you know, solve it with uh, 3D printing technology. Because that's also, that's also the difference, you know, between the companies that are printing everything in situ, so on the, on the building side, and then you have also the companies, you know, that are 3D printing prefabricated elements, you know, that are just two, two different strategies to, to build a, uh, a multi-tenant house or a multi-tenant multi building or a single mm -hmm. house. So, um, I think, you know, for both, uh, yeah, I, ca I can understand both ways, but um, yeah, also I would, yeah, I would say like try also if you are 3D printing on, on site, yeah, why, why not uh, think in a hybrid system anyway? Like, I think it if will the, be much faster. If the end goal is complete automation, um, what's the most efficient way to get there uh, from the roof perspective? Do you think it would be a, a different machine that would pick in place? Um, can be, yeah. Like, um, um, I, I think you know, at the end, you always have to assemble things on site. Definitely, if you want to go to, to to high rise buildings, stuff like that, you like I, like a building is such a complex uh, system of. Uh, a load bearing structure, a facade, but also the, the 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 installations you need for for getting the right the the, the right uh, climate indoor. Um, so I think at the end, you know, it's always a, a way of assembly. So I don't believe in in you know 3D printing everything. So it's always a combination of different materials. Um, also, you also have to deal with um, different different climates different architects, you know, that de design different buildings, different building regulations. So um, I think the solution will be there somewhere in the middle. What do you think it will take to print a sky rise, a steel frame, or will they be able to innovate out of that? So, sorry, can you repeat uh, the, the question again? How do you think when they one day 3D print a sky rise, um, what's, what do you think the likelihood of that is? And do you have any um, kind of guesses as to how they would achieve it? I think, what well, I'm, I'm not sure if I understood you right, but you're saying um, like a high-rise building, like a skyscraper? Um, sure. Or even just like 
five floors, ten floors? Yeah, I think if you if you look to um, uh, the current construction of um, of a high rise building, it's actually already a way of three D printing. You know how they how they push up the formwork, you know, and and build up actually story uh, by story. Um, so that's actually also already a way of three D printing, but in a at a very low resolution. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine, you know, if we already build that building system, you can also easily uh, put the gantry. You know, on top of it, you know, and and already 3D print uh, indoor walls, for example, or um, or walls uh, that you can find in the um, in the facade or or in the load bearing structure. So um, I I I think that we can build on uh, on top of the current uh, construction uh, systems that we already have. Yeah, I would like to see a printer, like generally for high rise. Correct me if I'm wrong they use the elevator shaft as a really important structural element of the building kind of from the get-go and then everything else is built off kind of the spine of the of the elevator shaft so yeah. why can't they build some kind of gantry system that would ultimately just become the building where they kind of have pillars in each corner and maybe that the elevator shaft is supporting the center somehow and then a print head just erects the entire thing around it yeah, that would be amazing. Like uh, that, that would be the, the, the most uh, ultimate way to, to realize a building, you know, that you would design something completely digitally and that you just send that file, you know, all around the world and that, that this uh, new machine starts uh, erecting this amazing building. <laughs> but I think it's good that, uh, that people like you, you know, spread these uh, imaginative uh, visionary ideas you know i think it helps the, the movement the industry to to get there at the end and i think we are we are setting uh, we are taking uh, the right small steps right now with uh, yeah with uh, with 3d concrete printing you know so, yeah at that scale i can't imagine it would make sense to assemble a printer that big and then disassemble it every single time i mean i think uh, it would have to be it has to stay there forever once it's built that big. Definitely, you know. yeah, yeah. You're not gonna make this uh, this gigantic gantry of uh, twenty stories in height. You know, like uh, you have to come up with a smarter, smaller system. Yeah, for sure. But I think you know that's just. Um, I can also imagine all these uh, these new companies, you know, that are starting uh, developing new three D printing technologies for the construction industry. You know, you have. Most uh, companies start small, you know, and then they can and slightly grow into um, in, in bigger uh, construction projects. What kind of projects do you enjoy the most? Like, I'm sure different people approach you with different kinds of concepts. Which ones get you excited? Um, yeah, that are the, like the that are the pioneering projects, you know, that are really pushing the boundaries or of uh, the formal freedom, the, the design freedom, you know, I think that's one of the biggest uh, benefits of this technology that you can make one-offs very easily for, for a very cost-effective uh, price so that you can create all these nice patterns, that you cr can create these nice undulating walls, um, you know, that create uh, these very bespoke interior, interior spaces, but also uh, the exterior spaces um, so that's where, where I'm really getting uh, excited about. The classic 
battle, I guess, between the architects and the rest of the people on the construction project is a lot of times, um, like architects can be dreamers and they want to see something beautiful and they're not so focused on the, the money. Um, what can you say about that? Um, yeah, this is all, that's quite a, quite a well-known, uh, uh, field of tension. <laughs> there is, uh, w within the realization process of, a um, of a real estate project or another building project. Um, but I think the nice thing about, um, this, this technology, like, uh, like digital fabrication, I think maybe we have to, you know, we have to enlarge the discussion a bit then, um, is that. Um, when we, when the industry um, can realize this complete digital workflow, you know, I think that can also help, uh, can, can make this, these tensions much smaller, you know, mm. like, I think most architects are already designing everything digitally, but if, when you go to the, to the building site, you know, we still use a lot of uh, 2D drawings and there's still a lot of manual labor. And I think there um yeah there's there really start then the, the this field of tension starts you know like and i think when we also start to digitize uh, all these fabrication technologies you know then th that we can make the um, the feedback loop between an architect and and, uh, and, a, and a contractor or uh, or um, uh, or a supplier of, of building materials when we make that bridge much smaller i think we can also um overcome these, uh, these challenges much, uh, much more quickly. And I think that can also help those architects to give them more insight, you know, like why not supply those architects with, um, with uh, interfaces, you know, that they can already uh, use the, the constraints of the, uh, the, the supply chain, you know, of the, of the building elements. So they, they, when they design something, you know, and then they, they send it to the, to the, to the manufacturers that they already know that it's feasible that it's a feasible product and that they already have an idea about the costs so i really believe that these all these technologies help us uh, you know um, yeah and closing these uh, this this actually linear building system sure we... especially from a detail standpoint if you want to integrate details into a building that's made by hand you need very skilled tradespeople who are going to be extremely attentive to detail but if you're printing it if you have a maybe a nozzle that changes size or something like that you can get very very fine detail with low human effort and especially if you're doing it with parametric design you can end up with something incredibly kind of like diverse and like and changing like a flowing pattern or something like that um, that would be completely cost prohibitive otherwise so it's, it's kind of like there's different compartments of where it's more cost effective um, and less cost effective. Where do you think it brings the most added value? So where does it, so people that are extremely, where cost is their only important factor, um, how can 3D printing at its current state where the material is kind of more expensive than regular concrete, uh, how can 3D printing bring that value? I think that, I think there are like uh, uh, several uh, benefits you know, where it can definitely add like substantial value. Like, as I told you, like, first of all, that are aesthetics, you know, like, I think the, the things that you can do with 3D concrete printing, 
you know, like this, this formal freedom, you know, that's like so cost effective compared to uh, making these shapes uh, in a traditional way with uh, traditional formwork. Like uh, that's the, I think that's a um, first way to, to differentiate, uh, differentiate yourself. I think the second uh, thing is that we, um, that we can uh, also make a, make a, take a, make some benefits on uh, on sustainability. I'm sure, like that we if we scale up this technology, you know, that we can use up to that we can save up to 60% of materials, you know, because we're going to print only materials where you structurally need these materials. So I think that's a big benefit. And I think in the end, that will be also more cost effective because you use simply less material. Um, and then um, I go back to the, to the realization of a complete digital supply chain. So I think you can also add value um, at the early design stage. You know, if, you, if we can digitize this fabrication technology, you can also uh, create value in the early design stage so that uh, real estate developers, you know, they, can, they have a very quick insight at the early design stage what, what a building will, will cost. Um, by digitizing this whole industry, I think we also end up with less failure costs. So, um, but we can also um, um, uh, predict uh, printability. We can also um, um, optimize uh, transportation goes. So in that sense, there, there, is, there are so many benefits where, we can, where this technology can make, um, can make the difference. So to contrast that question, what do you think is like, if you were to imagine a terrible project that makes no sense and shouldn't be printed, just like a bad, dumb project, what would that look like? Yeah, I think that, that, that would be like the, the traditional um, uh, floor slabs or traditional um, um, wall slabs, for example, that are just solid concrete. I think it's really hard, you know, to make the difference over there. Uh, of course, you can still, um, you can still make these slabs uh, hollow in a way, but also already more, already a lot of uh, concrete slabs, you know, are, are made of hollow structures. So I think it's so hard to, you know, to make the difference uh, in these types of products. But if you're gonna customize these products, you, you know, you make them tailor-made, I think then this, this, this technology becomes valuable. Mm -hmm. So for, if you need like a thousand wall panels that are all identical, maybe it's not the best decision to just print a regular square panel that you're gonna need tons of. You could just get a form, pour it in, and it'll be much quicker and easier. But if you want something that's going to be unique, so that it's not the same a thousand times over, uh, that's when 3D printing comes into play. Definitely, yeah. yeah. What I said, you know, I think I believe in this hybrid, uh, in this hybrid system. You know, I think, um, you know, every unique location needs a needs probably a unique answer. You know, that's tailor made for that situation. Um, so yeah. Yeah, here in Canada, I'm with a company called Twenty Additive Manufacturing. They 3D printed a small house called the Fibonacci house and they used a timber frame roof and it's beautiful integrating the timber frame with the um, with the concrete because it's not like 
I've seen other houses that just had a regular A-frame with like two by fours and uh, oh plywood or something like that. But if it's actually like a big thick piece of timber, there's something like elemental um, that you can appreciate in the aesthetic to that. And so it totally makes sense for me to see different materials being involved <clears throat> in the building rather than if it's just all concrete, it's so boring. And it's such a, it's like a cold, hard, um, a cold, hard material. And so if it's oh. not broken up with something a little softer, like wood or something natural, um, even like glass, it just, you, it, you need that to break up the monotony. Yeah. I can, uh, if you, if you like, I can, I can go downstairs and I, I have several prototypes, uh, standing over there. So uh, if you like, uh, I can show you also some, uh, like the, for example, the 3D ceramic uh, printing uh, tiles. You know, I think that's also a nice, um, uh, you know, nice new technology that, that can add a, um, a bit more uh, refinement and uh, mm. ornamentation and decoration can also redefine the way we, you know, design these ornaments. Um, but I also have uh, some uh, uh, 3D printed prototypes downstairs. So if you like, uh, I can... Yeah. Uh, to show you around. Um, all right. So this is the the robot workshop where we are right now. Like uh, most people are leaving uh, leaving this uh, this space, so it's getting dark here. But mm -hmm. hopefully, um, so these are a couple of. Um, um, tiles, you know, 3D printed in ceramics. We do a lot of um, a lot of testing, as you can see here. Wow! Yeah. So also, um, uh, yeah, different tiles, more for uh, uh, finishing uh, facades. This is uh, printed uh, for uh, for an art piece, but uh, they are in the back. Yeah, I recognize that from a Bruel video. Yes, exactly. So this is also a 3D printed by uh, by uh, Bruel, which is a nice. Uh, it's uh, it's not um, printed two and a half D, but also 3D. So you you can also see that it's um, you know that's uh, uh, printed under an uh, inclination, and you can also see that it's a hollow. You know, that's also nice about this technology is that saves material saves a lot of material so what's the maximum angle from the z-axis that you can print um yeah that really depends on the um, on the geometry like if you have for example uh, uh geometry that has uh, that gives some counterweight to the object then the cantilevers uh, ca can become bigger but um um yeah like um and it also depends on the material like, um, yeah, you can imagine if you have like um, materials uh, with a different uh, viscosity, then uh, yeah, you can print a uh, different uh, object with that. So most of the time, um, um, uh, clients know the maximum overhang of their own um, material and their own system. But um, what, what our software also does, for example, is it, it also uh, calculates the, the inclination. So when people, um, that's also um, variable. So our clients can say like, okay, we know kind of that our object will tumble when you print under this degree. 
and then um, our, our software is also giving a, a physical, a visual representation of that, of that curvature and uh, inclination of the geometry. So you work with all these companies that have different printers. Do you have a printer yourself? Yeah, so here in the back, we also have uh, a six axis KUKA, where we also um, test our software and um, uh, Studio Wrap, what I was talking about, the other company, they are 3D printing these tiles at the moment, um, over 3000. So um, that's where we also uh, use these, um, this uh, robotic arm for. So did you develop the extruder or did you guys buy an extruder from a company? Yeah, we bought it. So we bought it from, uh, probably you know it, uh, you know the company Seed, it's a company in the Netherlands that is making these uh, extruders and also uh, 3D printing systems. So uh, we are uh, in close contact with them. Um, they are mostly focused on uh, the, the, the 3D printing industry of composites and plastics. Um, so we hope uh, yeah, to also um, deliver some software packages to them uh, in, the, in the future. Oh, that's a cool relationship. So you're both customers of each other, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, nicely explained, yeah. Wow. So that's the, you guys only use that one printer right now? Yeah, in the past we had, uh, we had uh, multiple uh, robotic arms from uh, IRS Robotics, but uh, our partnership ended. And uh, actually we are also um, 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 not doing that much um, uh, production uh, projects anymore from our studio because we really want to focus on, um, uh, on designing projects. And that's why we also uh, build up uh, RAP technologies to, um, you know, there we're gonna do the technology stuff in the future. And uh, so we wanna put better focus on, on the two companies. So for, for the studio, more on designing and the technology company, we are like fully focused on the development of uh, proper uh, industrial grade 3D printing software. Mm -hmm. So, it seems like you're still very focused on perfecting the software and making sure that you kind of like maximize its utility. Um, what are, besides that, what are some goals, some like current goals for your company? Um, yeah, you're right. Like we are developing these uh, slicing algorithms and simulation algorithms already for three years. So they, they are improved quite a lot. Uh, um, yeah, during the, yeah, during the years, but yeah, like a big focus is to um, to improve our cloud cloud platform, uh, so we can help our clients uh, much better in the future with the with uh, with our support tickets. Um, and very important for for us is to uh, yeah build out uh, the software to uh, to other other industries, so you can also print new materials in the future with our software. So it's not only now we really focused on 3D concrete printing. And then last month we're also focusing on uh, developing algorithms for uh, 3D printing composites and plastics and clay. Uh, so yeah, that also takes a lot of time, you know, because those materials ask for complete different algorithms. Um, so yeah, that takes, takes a lot of time to develop that. Um, 
So yeah, we are, we're, we will be busy for sure, uh, Jared, uh, coming years. So your company right now, are you guys, uh, are you guys expanding or hiring? Uh, not at the moment. Um, like, um, yeah, we are already with, uh, in total with, uh, eight, nine people. So, uh, for now that's enough. <laughs> and it's the three founders are all three founders still involved? No, one, one left. And, um, yeah, we, uh, Lucas and I are, uh, are running two the, the two companies at the moment, yeah. mm -hmm. with a lot of passion and energy and, uh, and, uh, that's going okay. Oh. So how do you split up your responsibilities, you and Lucas? Yeah, Lucas is more the technical guy. Um, like we both uh, run uh, the design company. Um, and uh, I'm more responsible for the sales and acquisitions. And um, yeah, Lucas is more, mostly responsible for the technology development, project management, like that. So um, that's how we uh, split uh, up our tasks and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Do you think that down the line you would want to uh, ever sell the company or it's something you want to constantly keep developing? Uh, that depends. Like, um, it's, it's hard to say right now, but we are yeah. definitely open also for, for investors and in the future like um but it also depends a bit on how this uh 3d printing um industry will evolve you know over the coming years like everybody says you know that this is a booming business and that it's gonna grow exponentially and then probably we also uh, need to expand uh, exponentially so we also have to grow with that um with that curve so then uh, i can imagine you know that we also need um yeah, some investments to scale, uh, scale the technology and um, so we can help out all these uh, uh, manufacturers all around the world that, uh, that want to 3D print large scale objects. Sure. So you're not currently in a like investment round, like it's not a priority of yours to seek investment at the moment. No, not yet. So, um, yeah, we are just... Uh, um, want to add uh, more clients to our, uh, to our mm. cloud platform. Um, yeah. I want to make uh, those uh, manufacturers very happy with, uh, with our client, with our software. And then, um, yeah, we definitely want to, want to scale up um, exponentially. So then uh, uh, I'm sure that we, that we can use some uh, investors. Uh, why not? If a if an investor was kind of handed to you on a silver platter, um, what would the lion's share of the money go towards? Like, where would you spend it? Um, yeah, I think that um, that we would uh, hire some uh, yeah some extra software developers. You know that we really um, you know specialize in robotics and uh, geometry programming, so that we can um, improve. Um, improve our, um, uh, our printing algorithms even more but also um, you know when you when you grow exponentially you know you know you, know, you also need extra people uh, on the sales side um, so um, yeah like I think um, yeah you need a lot of uh, you, 
new manpower, you know, to uh, to let it grow. Mm -hmm. But I think these two are the most uh, most important at the moment. Yeah, I guess the big question is when will that kind of exponential growth happen? I think there's no doubt that automation and construction is going to win, but it could be it could be a long time, could be short time. I mean, it's the kind of thing where if the right material is developed, let's say they come out with a cheap material that looks really good and feels comfortable. Um, then overnight, all these machines are already ready to go. So if they just feed that like magic cheap material into it, the whole industry could, uh, could explode overnight pretty much. And so it's like, yeah. when will that happen is the big question. Yeah. Yeah, I hope very soon. But but if you look in retrospective, you know what's happening in uh, in other three D printing industries, you see that that that's happening. You know, uh, especially on a small scale, <coughs> you you have already seen it. I think it it is a very mature business already. But um, I think the large scale three uh, D printing industry is still at a very early phase. Like I think most companies that, that are around now, they are mostly, uh, you know, 3D printing prototypes. Of course, there are already uh, some, some manufacturers that are already uh, 3D printing uh, uh, commercial products and projects, but that's still a very small percentage of, you know, the whole, um, uh, yeah, of all the products, you know, that, get, that are, are getting produced. So I think still, you know, we need that um, that exponential growth in the large scale three uh, D printing industry. Maybe all it takes is one Elon Musk tweet. Yeah, maybe. But um, you know, we are ready to go, and I think um, yeah, we can add some serious value to uh, to the industry. Um, you know, with uh, with our um, industrial grade software, and I think that's. That's so crucial in, in you know, kickstarting this, this movement uh, and especially this, uh, this growth that it definitely needs. Um, because I think most manufacturers, you know, they are still playing around with like at least two or three software packages, you know, before they can actually start 3D printing. So we really put that all together in one proper simple easy to use software package and i think that's that's what the, what we need at the moment so a company getting started in 3d printing that maybe doesn't have so much experience um especially them they would value tremendously from using your software yeah i think so because we we also have our um uh we can also give a valuable support like i think we have uh our programmers, but also me, uh, you know, we have, we developed a lot of uh, 3D printing knowledge. So we can, you know, we can also, uh, we also get requests, you know, from clients that want to start 3D printing, but you know, then we also guide them to um, machine builders, system integrators that actually, you know, deliver, uh, for example, hardware to, uh, at the end, uh, 3D print. Uh, with uh, with our software, of course, but we we don't we do not uh, um, deliver a complete package like other companies do. Like we really specialize in the development of software because uh, yeah, we have the firm belief if we put that focus within our company that we will um, yeah that we can 
at least become market leader, market leader uh, later on um, um, of these uh, 3D printing software because we always focused, you know, yeah. on, on developing proper software. Like we are good at, in this, um, and I think focusing is the is the key is the, for success here. Yeah, that seems smart to me because, like I said, so many of these companies are kind of like jack of all trades, just experimenting with different methods. And so they don't have the time and the resources to dedicate to just the software portion like you guys do. And so being so dedicated to that specifically over a long period of time, I mean, I believe in that just with my YouTube channel, like 3D printed construction is kind of a small niche right now, but by only focusing on that, um, I'm able to like get further than if I was thinking about 3D printing and prefab and different on-site, off-site, whether it's like, since by just focusing on the 3D printing, I think I'm able to have a better impact than I would have otherwise. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, that's, um, I think that uh, people in this industry know your name. So uh, I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a good example, right? It, it's such a small channel, but I guess because of the, because it's so niche, I've, I've met so many awesome people in the, in the industry. It's been really cool. Um, I can to talk to you and get to talk to the other founders and stuff. It's, a, it's an awesome insight. Uh, I really like being able to, to share it with people. That's cool, man. And I think it will bring you all around the world, right? So now you're talking with me from Rotterdam, the Netherlands, yeah. from Canada. Uh, you know, people are doing an amazing job in the United States, in China, in Germany. You know, they're starting uh, these, these amazing manufacturers start popping up all around the world. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm hoping to go to Dubai soon. They're open to travel, but, but Europe's closed to travel for Americans. So um, I'm planning on going to Europe at some point. I think it's going to have to be in 2021. But hopefully that uh, hopefully it's not too long before things kind of open up. All right. You're always so welcome to, uh, to visit us in Rotterdam. So uh, feel free to drop by. Sure. I will. As soon as it's possible for me, I will. All right. Good. Um, yeah, I hope. Uh, I think you are enjoying uh, your stay, right, in, uh, in Canada? Like, you have some amazing view uh, out there. Yeah, it is an amazing view, but they're making me quarantine here in Canada for two weeks. So I, it's a nice view, but after a week, it's getting a little bit old. <laughs> I'm <laughs> kind of looking forward to when I can leave the house and start doing some video with the house and stuff, reprint the house. All right. When, uh, when will you go there? It's one more week of quarantine, and then I'll be able to leave the house and Canada will know that if I have COVID, at least it's not from the United States. <laughs> All right. Cool. Are there any questions left, Gerard, uh, from your side? No, I think, I think that covers everything. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think you uh, gave some awesome insights to people who are getting started and also people who are like maybe have some more to learn from the software perspective. And maybe uh, if we're lucky, somebody will reach out to you after this podcast and request your services. That would be great. I will, I'm happy to help them out. So uh, feel free to uh, send me a personal message or uh, whatever. Yeah. All right, cool. cool. Well, thanks again. And I'll, uh, I'll stay in touch. Yes. And uh, keep up the good work, uh, Jared. It's always nice to see your uh, podcasts so, or like your uh, interviews. So it's good. Thanks. You too, Wessel. Have a good day. Yes. All right. Bye-bye.